Hello, beautiful humans. This is Jennifer Norman, and I am so excited to be here with you today with Matt Newman. And he is better known as Matt Loves Hair. You've probably seen him on TikTok. He's got a million followers. He's got almost 200,000 followers right now on Instagram and climbing. I'm sure tomorrow it'll be like 100 million. He is an absolute treasure. When I discovered Matt on TikTok, I was number one, just entranced by number one, his gorgeous looks and his hair. But beyond that, his personality, you just can't find anybody sweeter, anybody kinder. He will randomly stop people on the street and give them products, which is in my book, (laughs) one of the greatest things that could ever happen to a person to brighten up their day. So welcome, Matt. I'm so happy that you're here. Hi, I am so happy to be connected with you and your amazing initiative and everything that you have going on. Thank you so much. It's really great to speak to you today. And so, of course, I want to dive right into it because everybody wants to know, like, what is it? I mean, you've got this amazing head of hair and you know all the tips and the tricks and what to do with it and what not to do with it. But, um, you know, what was it that made you realize that you wanted to pursue a career in hair? You know, thank you for asking, first of all, such a sweet question. I went to beauty school right after I graduated college. When I was getting my undergrad degree, I had a boyfriend who was not in college. And I always was telling him he should go to beauty school because he loved all of that. And, you know, he loved it all. He loved all glam, everything. And he never really wanted to. And then when I was out of school and thinking about what I wanted to do, I was like, why do I think only Gary gets to go to beauty school just because he didn't do an undergrad? I could do that if I wanted. So you know what? I signed up for school in New York and I moved from, I lived my whole life in Michigan and I moved to Manhattan and I went to school in Union Square in a, in a oh. beauty school that is now defunct, no longer yeah. exists. What are some of your role models? Did you have any when you were growing up or do you have any now? Yes, of course. You know, I have always had a really sweet spot in my heart for Pamela Anderson. I have adored, when I was young, that was one of the first people in media. I'm 34. So when I was young was kind of the Baywatch era and I was enamored with her. I loved Pamela Anderson. I've always loved Pamela Anderson. And I'm loving now that she's back in the forefront and we're seeing just more, I adore Pamela Anderson and I love everything she does. You know, such a, such a graceful beauty. That is how I perceive her. And I've always been very drawn to glamorous women. They Mm -hmm. just make me feel alive. They make me feel excited. And, you know, she's the height of glamour to me. You know, I have to say that I think men, women, we all have crushes on Pamela Anderson. Let's face it. I think that the first time that I saw her, she was actually an extra on Married with Children. And... (laughs) I loved that show when I was there. Al Bundy was was like following her down the aisles of a of a store or something, and he kept dropping stuff to make her like bend over. Oh my goodness! (laughs) Well, it's funny you say that. Kelly Bundy was absolutely another one of my role models growing up. I lived for Kelly Bundy. I wanted to be uh, everything. She just commanded every ounce of everything with her glamour and her beauty. I've just, I was so enamored with Kelly Bundy. Yeah. So amazing you say that. 
Well, I think that it's interesting because when, you know, Pamela Anderson was, you know, in the thrust, I mean, it's like the unapologetic divine feminine incarnate, you know, it's mm -hmm. just like she was and continues to be just drop dead gorgeous. And mm -hmm. it's like the epitome of what LA style is. I actually have a fun pseudo Baywatch story, which is um, not with Pamela Anderson, but with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> And I have to I have to share this because it's hilarious. I was back in college on the dance team. Like it was kind of like Laker girls. We would perform at all of the basketball games. And at this particular point, we were um, in the cheering and dancing championships that they used to show on ESPN. And oh, so okay. we went down to San Antonio and we're, you know, we're all stay all these a bunch of girls are, you know, staying at this, um, like, I guess it was like a, like a Marriott hotel where they had the pool and the, you know, the hot tub and we're all kind of hanging out in the hot tub in the pool. Lo and behold, there comes David Hasselhoff. He's like filming something there and we're all like, oh my God. And so when somebody says, oh my God, that's David Hasselhoff, I immediately like get out, like jump out of the pool. And I was like, how's it going? And all of a sudden he looked at me and it was like, oh, hi. And then I turned to him and I was like, well, that was a strange kind of a, a reaction. And then my girlfriends are like, Jennifer, your bathing suit top. It had completely come down. <laughs> and yes, I flashed the Hoff when I was in college. <laughs> Jennifer, so, I was not expecting that. Yeah, to be yeah. No one is prepared story. for that story, but <laughs> I have this random tendency of flashing people, and I and this is perpetuated throughout my life. I, you know, we can we can have drinks sometime, and I can tell you a little bit more about it. But I'm that was Jennifer. that was a, a defining moment in my life. Let's just say <laughs> that is hysterical. First of all, lucky, lucky David Hasselhoff. I know. And he, he got a lucky break that day. And also, thank you for sharing. That's hysterical. I adore that. I know. I just wanted to crawl under a rock and die. But, you know, at this point, it's, it's a story for all time's sake. It's a for good one. Sure. It's a good story. For sure. I want to ask you, you know, there are so many people who would describe beauty as one way or another, I would love to know, like, how would you define beauty? What do you think beauty is to you? It's very interesting. You know, I, I think about that a lot more now as someone like kind of in a category described as beauty content creation. Yeah. Um, and, and I've been asked that I've been asked about that before. And it's, it's not necessarily, I have a hard time putting into words what I think that is, but what I would say is that to me, Beauty is when you're able to take the, a representation of what feels good inside and feel comfortable that that is connected to what you're projecting outside. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a connection there. It's got to be, it's got to come from what feels good inside mm. to then sort of a manifestation in how you can present outside. Yeah. I like to think of us all as like gods and goddesses and almost like these mythical creatures and beings in our imaginations. And it's like, this is who I really am inside. And even though I'm wearing skin and hair and all of this, you know, ha like how you feel that power, that magic, that essence, if you can in any way, like with your jewelry or with, you know, your hair color, you know, your lashes, I mean, drag is like the most fascinating phenomenon. Tell me about it. Right. I mean, these are gods and goddesses. 
Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. I think it's like, if you can show up in the world as manifesting the, the true self, that authentic person or being divine being that you're really holding within you and just happy about it and not worrying about the criticism, right? Not worrying about what anybody else thinks because it's not a your business, what they think it's, it's their That's business, right. what they think. And it's often a reflection on what they think about themselves. But, you know, if you can go out into the world, that is inspiring. And I they- agree. And, and to me, it feels that there is no one beauty, you know, it's like yeah. that, that is the representation that it's everyone's is so individual. There, there will never be one standard of beauty. And mm-hmm. I love that we're in this place these days where oh, that's yeah. finally recognized. I agree. I mean, I think about like the beauty, like the the essence of beauty or what people thought was beauty over time and how rigid it was and how strict it was and how fear-based, frankly, it was more than anything, right? It wasn't Mm -hmm. liberating. It wasn't like show your own style. It was more like, do you fit in and can we accept you the way that you are or do we need to mold you and like, you know, fashion you to look like something that we're expecting of you, right? I will. Yeah, I have on my website. It's interesting that um, this phrase like pretty is a look, but beauty is a feeling. And something about that to me is like, you know, if you feel in love with yourself, if you've got that self-esteem and that self-confidence, that is beauty. That's the positivity that you know, goes forth. And, and then, you know, all this might be pretty, but you know, if you really are living and and looking like your truth and amen, I think that that's the best thing, right? (laughs) I think so too. I really think so too. And it's, it's lovely to be in a time where this conversation is even taking place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about Asian cultures in the past where it was all about like the white, white skin, the certain kind of hair, almost like a geisha modality or foot binding or, you know, I've been like diving into like cultural roots of certain traditions and rituals mm. in beauty. And I'm like, man, I'm so happy that I live in this time <laughs> where you can be you and I can be me. It's just, uh, it's so much better. I, I really... Yeah. I feel the same way. So I'm curious, like, have you always felt this way or has your relationship with your own sense of beauty changed as, you know, you've grown and you've developed in your career? What do you think? It's, you know, uh, I'm going to be totally honest and say that my career as a hairstylist leading up to content creation was definitely a factor in determining that sense of we all bring our beauty from within. Mm. My career in content creation, it's actually, t- you know, it, it, it wears down that, that armor of positivity, mm-hmm. you know, being on an app where you're so easily compared to someone else and so quantifiable by what your reaction on the platform, different platforms are. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. Actually. It, it takes a toll on that ability to let the beauty come from within And it's, you know, I fall into that pitfall of comparison and, Mm. you know, wanting to, I guess, be like the things that I see that I admire. And I used to have an easier time really walking the walk and talking the talk of that beauty coming from within. And it hasn't diminished and I'm not being fake and phony when I say it now, but the work on social media it, it makes it a little harder, honestly, because I'm spending every day editing 
pictures of myself editing video of myself worse than pictures is editing the videos all day it's a little too much me it's a little too much me and then every time you go to post it you see other people and it's just it's hard not to compare so I think that my work as a hairstylist working with real people real clients and even in the fashion industry because I always work behind the scenes in fashion leading up to content creation all of that really established where I I believe that sense of beauty coming from within came from Hmm. the social media makes it a little trickier social and but that gives me more resolution to if even if I have to fake it till I make it and show my forehead wrinkles show no filter show minimal you know lighting I have a ring light here it's only for like filming in the winter because you know you get with no lighting you can get pixelated but I try to let the frizzies show let the lines show let the the mismatched curls show it's because I know how I feel after two years of being sucked into beauty social media, knowing that it can be hard. It can wear, it can wear on you seeing all these perfect images. I'm like, let me continue to share imperfect, please, because I'd rather contribute to that. Number one, thank you so much for your honesty and for sharing that. These are the words that a lot of people don't hear. They don't hear about as a content creator because everybody always thinks, oh, the internet looks so glamorous and everybody is having such a great time. And then, you know, people are sitting there scrolling, being like, oh my God, you know, I I just can't, I can't compete. And for you to be able to to say that and share that message, number one, it's it's hella true. I mean, when you're thinking about trying to compete with algorithms. Um, and people thinking about, okay, well, what's going to be getting the most likes seven seconds on TikTok, or if I can use this, um, you know, particular background music, or, you know, if I do this kind of a before and after with this voiceover and these, I mean, it's almost like it becomes a science and it becomes so technical. Yeah. That you've got to think about. It does take a lot of that, that like freedom of love and the joy (laughs) out of what you're originally doing. And that's part of the work, I suppose. Right. And, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering if we like conversations like this can continue to get to the TikToks and the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the, you know, those that are creating these platforms, all of the filters, which, you know, are entertaining, let's face it, you know, and then some of them are problematic if used in the wrong way. But again, it's a very personal thing, you know, if, if, if somebody chooses to use a filter because they think it's hilarious or if they think that, Oh, I'm, you know, you know, this, this, this brightness in my eyes, it's like helping me to manifest the me that I want. Then that's that person, you know, that's, and, and there's no judgment, you know, there's, there's no shaming of anybody that uses filters. At one point I was there, I kind of was like, okay, nobody should be using filters. I thought it was toxic. The word toxic is overused, but, (laughs) but I, you know, it was just like, you know what, let's, like stop for a moment and say, you know, here, I'm having this conversation. I'm sharing this because this is how I'm feeling about me right now. And this is a journey and it's a continual process for me to continue to find that joy and see how I can, you know, elevate the magic within what I'm doing, even despite all of these things, because there's always going to be these things at work, right? No matter if you're a content creator or yeah, if you're sitting in an office somewhere, there's always going to be the turkeys that are going to get you down, right? Right. And honestly, I take no issue with other people using filter, like do whatever makes you happy. I personally don't think I could handle 
editing content of myself filtered all day. Cause you know, I post a video every single day. So whether it's 15 seconds or a minute, that's, you know, of in out, that's a bit of work where I'm watching my, my own image. Mm-hmm. And I think if I were to consume myself filtered all day, every day, it would be even harder to mm-hmm. reconcile reality. So I am completely open to anyone doing whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I just know that for me, I have to kind of keep the filters off my, off my own page. If, it's like partly because I like showing real, but also for my own, you know, I have those insecurities. I am, I, I like the filters. I like how I look with the filters. In fact, I like them so much that I can't use them because I get too sucked into them. There you go. There you go. And, and you, and even recognizing that I think is, you know, they always say it's the the first step of of healing. It's like the awareness of it is like, Mm -hmm. okay, I realize that there could be a dependency here, or there could be some sort of a reliance. And if I don't keep it in check for myself, you know, doesn't matter what anybody else says, but I don't keep it in check for myself, then I may end up feeling this way and then projecting something else. And then the two are not necessarily aligning and it's all about alignment in the end. Right. So I, yeah, I, 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 you know, congratulate you for recognizing that and, you know, being in this space and being able, like for me, you know, when I, because I came up in supermodel beauty, it was like, you know, I was the person who was ordering the zits and the stray hairs and the wrinkles to be retouched out. I mean, that was what I did as my career earlier on. And so I feel like I'm almost like trying to, you know, make up for all of like I'm atoning right now (laughs) for all of that. And so, yeah, it's kind of like to it was extraordinary for me to start seeing people being okay like first on youtube because it kind of started on youtube like showing their skin and their faces before and then the after i was like that is so courageous like and that changed everything it really it's inspiring to Mm -hmm. me it's inspiring you know and so it's again brings me back to the fact that i'm happy to be here now very happy to be here now times have changed and it's nice amen amen to that wow so you know you've got this huge following as i mentioned on social media with like all these people you know following you on tiktok and instagram and Granted, you've gotten to try some fancy products and some tools that I'm like, I have never seen this before. Wow. And so thank you, number one, for introducing me to all these like massive brushes and the dryers and the curling irons and stuff. But like, are there any that like stand out for you as your favorites? <laughs> okay. I, po- I test and post it all. It's, I get joy out of it. I get absolute joy out of trying things and sharing them. Nothing will ever top for me a, a round brush and blow dryer. Like that, I honestly, when I was in beauty school, nobody taught us how to do a good round brush blow dry. I went and took a job at one of those blow dry chains, like blow dry only salons. Because okay. I was like, that is the one thing I went to. I wanted to learn how to do that so bad. And I never learned in beauty school. So I was like, let me go get the job at one of these places and just do it a thousand times till I know how to do it. Yeah. nothing will ever top a, a round brush and blow dryer to me. I mean, I just adore that style. You can, you could do it. It works great on healthy hair. It totally de- conceals dead ends and split ends. You know, it's, 
it's a magic, it's a magic hair cure-all. <laughs> I adore a round brush and blow dryer and I'm yet to find anything I prefer. I mean, I love all the stuff that I've posted. Mm-hmm. We had the super um, viral air wrap winter with everyone receiving, you know, How many in the world? It, it looks like, like, it almost looks like you're it's doing physics. it backwards. It really, it's like, I'm like, is he reversing? Like, <laughs> so it just it's wraps around. It's amazing. So it's pure physics. It's the, 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 the twist there's little, those pink slits are air coming out. Yeah. Out, not in the air is coming out and it creates like centrifugal force that literally does that. And then the warm air sets the texture of the curl. Very interesting. Very interesting. Very user-friendly. It's a great consumer product. Um, as a hairstylist, there is nothing I'll ever love more than a round brush and blow dryer. Wow. So round brush, like ceramic, what kind of bristles? Like, is there any- all of it? Any see that? And that's, okay. That's where okay. you can get, that's where you can get specific for hair type and texture and desired outcome. There's, ah. you know, basically a metal brush. Tell me if this is boring, but yeah, a metal base. <laughs> so, okay. Good. Great. I mean, good company. So a metal base of a brush is going to give you maximum like curl definition because okay. that hot metal brush is acting like a curling iron. Right. If you have a wooden base of a brush, you're going to get less of that curl shape because the wood is not heating up and setting mm-hmm. the texture. Mm-hmm. Four bristles are going to give you maximum smoothness Um, especially for any type of texture. If you have even wave to type 4C texture hair, the boar bristle really is going to silky and smooth out that that Mm -hmm. strand. And the plastic bristles give more volume. So, and then there's combinations of it all. You know, there's metal based with boar bristles. There's wood based with boar bristles. There's metal based plastic. It's, you can find it all. Wow, that is so cool. You know, it's funny because um, my hair is usually pretty darn straight because I'm 100% okay. Korean. And um, I, I used to be like, my hair was always down to my butt for the longest time. And it's just been getting so um, just damaged. And like, I color it. I've like, I've got so so much gray hair coming in. And so I'm like highlighting and coloring. And and I recently found something, which is like this. I went, I did an Ulta run and I found this, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I tried that and it puts like these rose golds kind of tones in Ooh, which um, I, I have it. to say I'm happy with it I'm happy love with it, it. How yeah fun. so I've always been like really hair involved because like I even like I back in the day I actually helped to launch the Feria hair color line <laughs> when it first came out like 25 years ago believe that. that was like one of the first things that I ever launched and and I can't believe it's still around today so that was that was super fun so and I've worked in hair care too but when I um, actually had like ab- obtained a stepdaughter through marriage who was half black, half Puerto Rican, and um, her hair was so beautifully, naturally curly, and I didn't know what to do with it. Here I was with my Mason Pearson brush, like <laughs> trying to brush it. And I, I was, it, it was a lesson in just, you know, trial and error for, for sure for her growing up. And it was a lot of just like, throw it up in a bun. <laughs> It it happens. You know, I feel that that is its own sort of issue in the hair care industry. Um, That's its whole own topic. I was fortunate. I went to beauty school in New York City. So I'd never done hair. I went almost, as I said, kind of on an idea and a whim. I went to beauty school in New York City. That is every texture, every type, every everything from the teachers to the classmates to the clients that came in. 
So I have, and then I aspired to work in fashion. So you cannot show up to a photo shoot and not be able to do one of the models hair. You, I mean, it happens and it's really unprofessional of people and it's horrifying and it's humiliating to watch them go through that. It's so wrong. And I've, I've seen it happen where another stylist on a set said they could, you know, not perform for whatever reasons on this, whatever texture. Mm. I'm always horrified for those people. And I would feel like just gutted if I had to say that to someone. So, you know, I feel it's its own, you know, the whole, I actually just recorded content with a friend yesterday where we went shampoo shopping in the store, in the aisle. That's a new little series I'm doing, taking people to like Target and Ulta and yeah. helping pick stuff out. So we went for her type Is that four the picture C. where you're standing in front of the contraception, by the way? Yep. Okay. Yep. Just yep. wanted that to was ask. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that was yesterday. Because I was like, we'll do a teaser. I was like, we're going to leave the hair aisle. That we'll is take a, a tease. Selfie. That's for sure. <laughs> I was like, we're, I was like, cause we were just at that point, we were just walking around the store, having fun chit chatting. We'd done fit. We were done filming and everything. I was like, Oh, let's take a selfie before we go. And so I'm going to post it later this week, but I want to share your beautiful smile today. So, and then I realized we were standing in front of the pregnancy test. I was like, that's funny. Let's do it. I was like, that's, I get a kid. So it, it, it's just so fun to, you know, shot. It, it, I had a blast doing my answer. I cannot wait to post the content. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, I have been um, reading, you know, in, in beauty news and such about the lack of um, training for textured and, you know, African-American hair, Latina yeah. hair, like the different kinds of you know, like coarse to curly yeah. hair. And and I think that it's nice to bring visibility to it. I think that hopefully there'll be more training within schools and there'll be more hiring within salons and right. all of that for sure. It was so, it was honestly, to me, I was very shocked when I got out in the field in the industry because my beauty school was just so, uh, every single, and I don't, I'm not just saying every type of curl, every type of thin, fine, loose hair, every type of straight coarse hair. Literally, we had people from every walk of life, from probably every continent. We had people from everywhere, teachers, classmates, clients. I can do whatever I can do on one person's hair. I can do on anybody else's. And I just thought that was part of the deal. And I was shocked to get out into the field and see that that wasn't the case for a lot of people. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's tough. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to get your training in NYC, the place to yeah. be. <laughs> NYC, the place to be. Honestly, I was so surprised when I got out into the world and would hear people say, I can't do that texture. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of New York, I think a lot of people are curious, like aside from doing content, I know that that consumes most of your time every day, but what's it like to be you in in like your average day? Like, do you wake up? Do you have a routine? Do you have a little ritual? You've got dogs, I, I understand. Yes, I have. To, okay, my dog wakes <laughs> me up every single morning. He is up before me. He jumps on top of me. He Aww. licks my face. He's ready to go. He is my alarm clock. No, first thing we do is hit the street. First thing, you know, I leave next to, I always go to bed with my jacket, my wallet, the leash, the poop bag, all of it ready there because I don't want to be running around the house looking for it. And there is no waiting for him. He's up. He's ready. <laughs> Take a walk around the neighborhood with the dog. That's step one. I try really hard not to open social media, at least for like an hour or so, but I fail that mission every (laughs) time. Every most of the time I fail that. So definitely a lot of peeking and scrolling. 
Um, you know, I, I used to just be a, a real everyday hairstylist. It used to be always, I was freelance. I worked aspiring in the fashion industry. I was an assistant for a decade. I was an assistant on set as a, to a hairstylist in fashion shoots. I always say stylist and people think I mean clothes. I was an assist, a hair assistant in fashion for 10 years. Um, and what really kept the, kept everything afloat during that period was lots of odd jobs. I did glam squad. I did dry bar. I, I did all the, I did priv, all of the at home blowouts. I, I did it all. I did hair for the dancers at a gentleman's club. I used to go like four nights a week. I would go at about 6 PM and go wow, do the girls. What an elevated it. gentleman's club. It was very elevated. It was very sophisticated. <laughs> it was a lovely place. It, that to me, that's really where I I, I went, I worked there for almost seven years and I only stopped at the pandemic when yeah, it closed lockdown. during lockdown. That to me was really where I grew up. You know, I went into that job, a very naive person and I came out of it, the me that I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I held that place in a very special place in my heart. Um, and still friends with a lot of the women that I worked with there. Um, but now my routine is completely different. You know, I have not taken clients in over a year. So I just, every day is more content creation. I have, I'm fortunate enough to have partnerships going on most of the time. So it's a lot of balancing, creating the creative stuff for the organic stuff, and then working on getting the partnership content all worked out. It's, it's, it's a whole shebang. So did this transition happen because of COVID? You think? Absolutely. It Absolutely. Did. I did not, I did not really use social media other than out of friendly happy birthdays and this, or, you know, little vacation pictures and such. I didn't use social media seriously until COVID. Wow. And so was that when you discovered TikTok? Well, did you have an Instagram first and then TikTok? I had it. No, I always had a personal Instagram account just for fun, just keep up with friends and more to consume. You know, I was like a watcher, not a poster, really. And during that first lockdown, um, I took a video of my neighbors across the street trying to do the Savage by Megan the Stallion <laughs> dance on the roof. And they were failing that they could not get it together. And <laughs> I made little jokey voices over as they were doing it because this is before the voiceover option on tiktok even existed so recorded it all in the app speaking live making little jokies and the video got a couple million views over the course of a week or two wow which was shocking and i think it i think about three or four thousand people just clicked follow off of that video and i thought that's really ridiculous i did not even think about i forgot that people could go viral you could gain a following and I'm not a comedian. I I am a silly and fun and I'm always smiling, but I'm not great at like presenting jokes to the camera, um, which is fine. Not everyone's got to do everything. Right. So I was like, I can't really keep up the funny stuff. It was kind of a moment in time that I captured and had fun with. And my boyfriend said to me, oh, you should make hair videos. People love videos about hair. I was like, oh, duh, I'm a hairstylist. I could do that. Yeah. And, and I did. So I, I, blow dried my hair and I made a video that totally flopped. It was not interesting and it did not click. But while my hair was blow dried for the next few days and straightened, I was like, I'll just keep making stuff while my hair is straightened. And at the end of the week, one of the things I I finally had a good idea. 
And it was this thing that I remember I do that people were always surprised by, like a little, a little styling trick that I felt like nobody, other people do, but most people don't think of. Okay. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll make a video about that. I'll make a video about that. And it did well. And then mm-hmm. from then on, I just haven't stopped. Wow. What, like, how long was it before you realized that this could be a career or at least something that could really support you, frankly, for a period? I'll tell you what, I, I knew before I even started, what, the minute he said, make, my boyfriend said, you should make hair videos, I was like, duh, people, people do fabulous presenting beauty content online. Mm-hmm. I never consumed beauty content. I was not familiar with YouTube. I was not, but I did know as a hairstylist that there were people out there who showed every single client, every single everything. And you would see them with sponsorships and, and collaborations with brands paying to be a part of their presentation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh yeah, duh, that exists. That's a great way. You know, I was out of, I was completely out of work for that first month of lockdown or, you know, like Mm -hmm. all of my freelance jobs disappeared. All of my side hustle app at home hair blow dries kaput. The club doors are closed. So the minute, the minute Jeffrey said the thing about making hair videos, I was like, duh, like that's its own career path that I could do off my phone right here. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So do you remember like, what was your first sponsorship or something like where you were approached yes. first of all, or did you kind of hustle and, and do your own like hustling and out to, to find sponsors? I will, to this day, the best partnerships are the things that they come to, they, they seek me out. Like everything where it's the people, where the brand is looking for me in the first place, that's Mm -hmm. always what goes best. You know, those are natural. Oftentimes it's because I've shown the products in my, it's, you know, where I organically use it. So it's something I can easily say yes to without having to test the product. I've used it for years or maybe Mm -hmm. 20 to whatever it may be. Those are always my, almost all of my partnerships are like that. Mm. Every once in a while, something comes my way that I test out for weeks, if not months before getting ready to present it as if it's up to my standards, to be honest. I I take really seriously, I take it very seriously, not, not including things I don't really like I just can't go there yeah no, um, the honesty is so important without that if you know y- you really have to be like you know what this is this is not working for me and and this is working for me and, the, and right. that's where you lean in to the things that are really working for you mm-hmm. and I've had to say no I've had to say no I'm not going to say what because one of my sure, friends no, no. uses the, the term don't yuck my yum like if Anything can be good for anyone, but I have to feel that genuine connection. But my first sponsorship ever was, and it came my way, was so random, Birch Box Men's Grooming. They have a special box that's called, you know, facial hair, and it's not makeup and stuff like that. And I was floored. I thought it was the coolest thing that ever happened. I was so excited. It was one video, and it was not a huge rate, but I was very encouraged. And they gave me six months of the Birchbox subscription and I adored it every time I got it. Yeah. I know. I I imagine that the PR boxes are insane. (laughs) It's 
my it gives me anxiety about my eco footprint. I'm like, my eco footprint is through the roof these days. I've got to do something to like, I mean, of course I recycle everything. I, Um, you know, I, and I try to get everything. I donate a lot. The bulk of everything gets donated. It's hard to find people who will accept a lot of it is not packaged. You know, it's not only are the few things that I've opened and used opened and used, but all the other stuff just comes like, not shrink wrapped, no, a lot, you know, not in boxes. So, you know what, Matt, you just need to sign it and then, you know, put it up on, you know, for, you know, an auction. And, you are too and, you sweet. Know, like- <laughs> you know what? My, my oldest sister is an ophthalmologist and she basically works in research at a university, but she is affiliated with a free clinic where they started doing ophthalmology appointments for people in need. So I'm able to, we're setting up a whole closet of freebies i'm gonna get all of my excess sent over there it's it that's its own task because it's again it's been hard a lot of places can't accept but because it's my sister's place they are able to say yes it's all vouched for we know it's all fine so Mm -hmm. that's going to be a difficult thing getting that all there but i look forward to the day that's finally set up i'm that'll be cool that will make me feel good Oh, good. Yeah, I I have to agree with you. Number one, because I am in that place where I'm trying to put products together. And I'm like, I and I'm very conscientious about the environmental impact of what I'm doing. And so, you know, all of my packaging is recyclable, but I actually have a zero waste program where I will for free give people the shipping label that they can return either my products or whomever else's, it doesn't matter if you get something from, you know, Birchbox or send it to, to my company and we will send it to TerraCycle so that it gets recycled properly because I think it's like only 9% of anything that goes to your municipal blue bin actually gets recycled, which is that, you know, kind of a crime, but it's just the the fact of the economics of the broken recycling system. Right. Yeah. And I see these videos and these pictures of influencers that just have like stacks and stacks of boxes that they're like, oh my God, I am overwhelmed. I have to get, I have to get through all this product, you know, meanwhile, it'd be like, it would be like, you know, Christmas to somebody else, but it's, it is it's anxiety it's like oh my god I have to you know people send this to me and I'm not mine is I I don't get those sky high mountains you know I'm so (laughs) niche and I'm not I'm not that person it doesn't just flood but it's enough that I'm I'm (laughs) like oh my goodness and um also TerraCycle is amazing TerraCycle is amazing I think there's a TerraCycle drop-off center in the city that I really want to go make a video for like earth i know earth day is coming up i need to yeah, the 24th. Great, great reminder i want to go highlight the TerraCycle drop-off center that i'm aware of somewhere downtown i'm like oh yeah let me let me put that out just remind people because that, that's a fabulous program that is a fabulous program i adore TerraCycle. yeah anything any little bit that helps a lot of people think it you know like oh you know i'm just one person or one consumer one household and you know, it's not going to make a difference what i do but it adds up it does it adds up it's very mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. So yay yeah. for being conscientious. Yeah, we got to try. Amazing, yeah. amazing. So how is it that you remain so positive and optimistic and happy? What is this? What are you drinking? What are you smoking? <laughs> All of it, honey. No. Um, I uh, listen, that question, that that statement means a lot to me. I'm flattered that that's how you perceive me, that that's, I'm glad that's what's coming out. It's definitely, I try to, in terms of the content that I put out, 
I try my very hardest to focus in on that side of myself. That is not the 100% all of the time sure. picture of me. I'm a well-rounded, there's more to me than what's on social media. I'm not one of those tell it all to the camera all day, every day people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do keep some of my, my more complex emotions that are less positive. I do kind of keep those offline and manage those just in my own life and in my own way. Um, so I'm really honored to hear that you're, that the perception that's coming along with my pages, those moments of positivity and those moments of community building, cause it's very, it's important to me. It's really important to me. And Interestingly enough, as much as I could say earlier that the social media can be the compare and despair side of it, it also, there is a, a, another side to that coin where the community and the feedback and the positivity and the support, it brings me up. It brings me so high up. I answer all my DMs. I get messages from people ah. all day asking questions about tips, you know, how to do this. And those moments are so meaningful to me. That's absolutely so meaningful to me. It's, it's what I used to do all day, every day before the pandemic was, you know, I would have days where I had no, you know, no photo shoots and I would do a whole week of glam squat all week. And that's going to someone's different seven, eight, 10, 12 houses a day, meeting a new person, connecting, helping them feel good, helping them, you know, pick the things they need. I miss that. I miss that. And now I get it through answering my DMs and it it does bring me up. It really makes me feel good. Amazing. Well, I am here to reflect back what I see. And so, yes, what I see is, you know, really genuine positivity and to your point. And, and, and I know it's important to say, it's like, you know, being up all the time, it may not necessarily be the healthiest thing either. You have to, you know, there, there are these, these moments where it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be pissed. It's okay to, you know, all of those things are a natural part of wellness too. Um, but, um, I, I truly believe, and this is, this might be an odd statement, but I do believe hairstylists are healers. I think that there is something about the power of touch, about the power of being able to have those conversations like therapy sessions for all the persons in your chair and you are beautifying that person. You're helping to, you know, give that person a, you know, just like a refresh or a touch up or a full on makeover, whatever that they want so that they can then feel better about themselves too. So I think that it's a, that it's like a, like a one hour, like sometimes in my case, it's a four hour, (laughs) like, you know, healing session. It truly is. I love hearing you say that. I'm going to be completely candid and say up till social media, my work as 12 years of 11 years of hairstyling, I never had great success. I was, I always, I felt very talented. I always did a fabulous job. I always made my clients very happy. I always did great in whatever I was doing. It's a very competitive industry in New York. I never had a super breakout success moment. And that was challenging. That was challenging in its own right, especially when I felt very talented. What always kept me going was just what you described, was exactly what you described, whether it's a model on a photo shoot that you get to bring up and exalt and and show that this industry can be fabulous and kind, whether it's going to a consumer's, just a regular person's house and doing their hair and connecting that way. I had random job, you know, stand in Bloomingdale's and curl people's hair all day for 50 bucks an hour for a hair, for a curling iron company. You know, even if I talked to people for five minutes, that, that is what kept me so in it. 
I adore that. People, they let you put their, put my hands in their head. That's instant connection. People are sitting down there trusting me to affect the outcome of how they look. And it's just this instant connection that has always been so meaningful to me. And it carried me through the times of hard work with limited recognition. It really did because it meant more to me than anything. And I think that that's a really good point about what is true success. What is the real meaning of abundance or, or feeling fulfilled in, in what you're doing? Because it's not always about the money. It's not about the Benjamins. A lot of times it's that feeling that you are living the way that you want to, and you're really exploring your passions. And if you can get up every day and feel like, oh my God, this is my life. I I love it. You know, as long as you have, you know, your basic needs met and you've got people around you that love you and, you know, you're, you're, you, you have this appreciation and gratitude inside, then it opens doors. And look at the door and set it open for you. At the time of a pandemic, when the world was shutting down, you were able to be open to something like that. And that doesn't happen unless you already have that inside you, that feeling of abundance and that feeling of, of success. And, and granted, I know it's so easy for us all to get ourselves, get down on ourselves. It's like, oh, I'm getting older. I should be married or I should be farther along in my career. I should have this title. I should, I should, should, should. I often will say, stop shooting on yourself. You know, it's oh. like, really, <laughs> like, no, what you're doing is perfect. Stop shooting on yourself because that in and of itself will cause your success to be delayed. As long as you feel that you are, you know, moving forward more into the place where you want to be and the life that you want to live and you're, and you're creating magic, then, then yeah, I think that it comes in all shapes and forms. And I'm just, I'm ecstatic to see this, like this, that you're, that you're manifesting for yourself right now. And I know that it's going to, I know we're going to see you on TV, you know, real soon. It's like, I, I mean, I already, I already see it. Like there's stuff happening in your vortex that, you know, we can have a further conversation about I'm kind of intuitive that way <laughs> all right you're you know as I always say your lips to God's ears baby like we'll, hey, we'll hey. Manifest it. you know we've got a direct connection me and the dude above the divine daddy um at any rate <laughs> just a couple more things uh, because I know we're we're soon coming to a close but Let's talk a little bit more about hair. Aside from the round brush and the dryer, are there some other tips that you think is good for like people to keep their, their hair looking its healthy best? Yeah, I am a huge, pro- I'm always trying to tell people to use leave-in conditioner. And it's right. interesting because some people will say my hair is so greasy and fine and way down. There are, there is not one leave-in conditioner. There mm-hmm. is a whole range. Those products that people call primers, that's a leave-in conditioner. Those super lightweight spray, there is the whole gamut of the most lightest weight sprays or in shower, rinse out, but post conditioner product. There's all kinds of things all the way through heavy custards and creams and tubs Mm. of cholesterol that they call it. All of those things. It, to me, I try to explain it like this. Your hair is a fiber. It's like cotton or silk or any of these things. And you want to treat it with something to help it be protected. So it's kind of like fabric softener. You know how fabric softener preserves the life of your clothes or mm-hmm. whatever they spray at the dry cleaner before they put the heat on the silk. It's that. 
We mm-hmm. want to use something like that. It's, it's just, it, it really helps preserve that. If you want the length, because if your hair is this short, it's almost like do whatever you want because you're cutting it all off before it's, if you always maintain short hair, all right, do anything you please. Sure. But if you want to have some length, you want to do those things, those healthy, healthy, I don't know if I like that term, but those healthy hair habits. So something on the wet hair, even if you're going to go totally unstyled, no blow dryer, nothing, a little something goes a long way, protecting your hair from breaking when you put your jacket on, break, you know, these little things we don't even think about. It's not just that the curling iron damages your hair. It's twirling my hair on my finger. It's zipping up my sweatshirt. It's putting on a jacket or laying on the couch or sitting on an airplane with your head, you know, traction damage. That's a whole type of hair damage. So some sort of leave-in will always benefit that. Um, and, and I talk about that a lot. I feel like I talk about that all the time. I also, (laughs) I also, this is a tough one and I get some really negative visceral reactions to this. I don't recommend hot, hot water on it. I don't think it's great for your scalp, the skin, just in terms of dryness, really, because hot water is so drying. It's also not good for the length. Um, super hot water. And that doesn't mean that it's got to be cold, cold, mm-hmm. you know, lukewarm is its own fair play. Do I love taking a lukewarm shower? I sure don't. I sure <laughs> don't. And if I am not washing my hair and I've got it all pinned up in a way, I will take a hot shower because I'll sacrifice my dry skin faster than I'll sacrifice dry hair. So I know the joy and the love of a hot shower, but you know what? The hot water, that really hot water can be very hard on your hair and your scalp. Interesting. Yeah. People hate to hear that. I hate to be the one to tell it to them. I'm always like, I I have seen those videos of people doing the, you know, the ice bath plunges. I just don't get it. I, I'm like more power to you. I'm going to take my shower and I'm going to sit there for a few minutes and feel luxuriated, but, but yeah, no, you're, you're, but you're exactly right. I think that, um, you know, the stretching and, and even like they were saying, like the towel drying, the towel drying, the and then all of that, you know, using something with padding. I actually just want to do an ingredient awareness plug. And that is that, you know, a lot of those products that make your hair look beautifully shiny and sleek and whatnot have like silicones in them. One that I would ask people to stay away from are the cyclo pentasilicones, like anything that says cyclo before the siloxane or, or Mm -hmm. what have you, because they don't break down in the environment. They look gorgeous on your hair, but they get into the water stream and they go down the drain, they go out into wildlife, they get into the water stream, they, they start killing the environment. And so do what you can. I know that it's so hard because they work so beautifully. They look so good. You know, if you got a special occasion, of course, you know, I, I'm like, go for it. But, um, you know, dimethicone is better. There are some natural silicone alternatives that are also good. But yeah, a lot of those, like the, the biotins and the panthenols and the carrot, like all of those great ingredients yeah. for your hair that'll help, you know, keep it little, the fibers strong to your point and nourished and more resilient, more elastic so that it doesn't break. Those are all extremely good tips. Yeah, that was a tough one for me to understand because I, as a hairstylist, you know, there's a lot of online conversation about silicone versus silicone free. And I was not understanding it from the point of view of the environment for a long time. And I just wanted to make clear, you know, people, there's a lot of misinformation about silicone's effect on your hair Mm -hmm. online. And I always wanted to try to clear that up and make people feel comfortable making the decision with, 
real information and not sort of misleading information. And then my eyes were opened by an amazing dermatologist who I met, who has a product line um, about the non-biodegradable side of yeah. silicone, which I was completely unaware of. I was completely unaware of that. And it, that's it's not your job. That's not your job. Your job is to make people look as gorgeous as they can right there while they're, <laughs> you know, so it's yeah, tough. Pill to, that was a tough pill to swallow for me. And I do still work with, I work, I have a lot of silicone free options. I do still work with products with silicone, but it's, I love them. I, I used to say if I could bathe in them every day, I would, cause there's, <laughs> they make everything, you know, your skin silky. They, they, they help seal in the moisture. Good Lord. I love Isella silicone, but you know, it's just like, if I had to choose, like I, I do read the labels and anything with the cyclo in front of it, I try to avoid now. That's very useful information. I actually didn't know that the, I, I was aware of the difference between the cyclo and the cones. Um, I didn't know that one was that the cyclos were worse for the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Good, Good to know. To know. Okay. Let's see. I think that there's just one final question I have for you. Is there any advice that you give to people who don't feel comfortable with themselves, like with their skin or their hair? Like what would you say to that person? First of all, I would say I'm right there with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a, it's every day is a battle and you know, fake it till you make it fake it till you make it. It's half of it is delusion. You know, half of it is convincing yourself and believing it Mm -hmm. and, and nobody, you're never going to please everyone. So you might as well just please yourself and, and just believe in what you're bringing to the table, whether even on your hardest day to get there, you deserve it. You deserve that, that level of comfort from within. Mm -hmm. And if you can't really feel it in your heart one day, friggin' fake it, just convince yourself, you know, and and not to, not to say of mental health, Oh, get over it. I hope I'm not painting a picture of, Oh, get over it in terms Mm -hmm. of like mental health struggles. But when it comes to that confidence and bringing your authentic self to the table on the days where it feels daunting, just fake it. I know maybe that's, maybe that's too simplified, but yeah, anyway. there's actually a, a, almost a build on what you're saying. Cause I think that that is like, you know, so powerful because number one, you admitting that you're right there with everybody because sometimes it, you know, it, it's easy to look at celebrities or people on, on, you know, Instagram and TikTok and think, Oh, they've got it made. And you know, they, they have such, they exude self, such self-confidence. They never have, it never seems like you have a bad day just because the camera might not be on when, <laughs> when, when all that is happening. And um, something that I had been um, practicing myself lately is like um, I've come across a bunch of people who um, when, when they're um, trying to project something that in the inside, they're still feeling like they're not there yet. And, and they're like, oh my gosh, I know that, you know, I should be faking it until I make it and then I'll get there. But they start to feel like imposter syndrome and that unto itself is a little bit debilitating. And so one phrase that I like to use is act as if or be it until you become it. Like, because what we want to do is give yourself that space. And I find meditation to be the best thing ever because it, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of beauty issues that come from cortisol, from stress, from like all of these things, you know, between hair loss and pimples and, you know, wrinkles and all of the things that stress causes our body to, you know, to go through, to fight it. 
Um, if you can give yourself that quiet space and meditate on your awesomeness. And it, it, the idea is that you have to be so convinced in your knowing of your worth, of your power, of your beauty, of your place in this world, of your of everything that is good about you. And that meditation, giving yourself those moments, even if it's just a couple of minutes, even if it's while you're in the shower or driving, I, let, I, I like doing driving meditations or walking meditations, walking the dog, you know, it's just like, say, like, say these affirmations over and over to yourself again and again, until it gets into your system, because then and only then will you really be able to feel more confident, no matter if you got a zit, no matter if your hair is not doing what you want it to do. It just, you know, you find a way around it and life is good. (laughs) That's such valuable advice. And I, I'm, I'm so enjoy hearing that because that, saying fake it till you make it is not really giving anyone an option. Whereas what you're saying is you're giving these amazing, tangible things you can do to get to that mindset. And and you're so right. And it's funny because people are like, oh, I don't have time for that. But, you know, you should probably dedicate like double the time if you think that you don't have time for it. (laughs) It's like triple the time, really, because, you know, if 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 your life is so busy that you don't feel in control of what your day is, that's when you know that, you know, that's like, oh, that check, that awareness. Oh, you know, I, I am, you know, under the influence, not over the influence, right? <laughs> so and we always want to be over the influence, the influencer, not the influency. Yeah. Anyway, oh my gosh, Matt, I love speaking with you today. I hope we can stay in touch. You are such a an amazing extraordinary person everybody follow that if you if you don't already matt loves hair on tiktok on instagram you're going to see much more of him and he always has the best tips ever (laughs) my goodness i have had such a blast chatting with you your insight and perspective and point of view on life are thrilling to me and just so so fabulous i adore you oh thank you so much